Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from the Little Feminist Book Club. Little Feminist wants to help you diversify your child's bookshelf. Each box is built around one to two books of the month that feature strong female characters and or people of color. Their books are selected by a team of teachers, librarians, and parents. I recently received a Little Feminist Book Club box and my three-year-old and eight-year-old loved it. There were activities, a book to read, stickers, conversation pieces, discussion points. It was wonderful. Go to littlefeminist.com and use the coupon code WINNER or click on the link at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast to get started with your Little Feminist Book Club box today. Support also comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. Can you um, hold on while I close the door? Sorry, I forgot to close the door. Sure, do your thing. Yeah. That was a good hard close. I heard that one. <laughs> if you don't close it all the way, it like pops back open and my cats know how to open it now. So. No, they're like velociraptors. They know how to open the door. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. I'm like, ah, they have opposable thumbs. Oh, boy. And then we get some like adorable purring on recording. Amazing. We just get them knocking stuff over. No. <laughs> fair, fair. Finding the comfort to communicate boundaries is not something that always comes easy, especially when others don't feel like boundaries pertain to them. Working in a school library, this is something I encounter on a daily basis, making the subject picture book of today's conversation a godsend in so many ways. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 482. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today, I'm welcoming back Cherie Miller whose newest picture book, Don't Touch My Hair, was just selected by our 600-plus elementary school students as the winner of our 2019 Mock Coretta Scott King Award. It's an engaging, sometimes humorous, but always direct story about consent, and it resonated far and wide amongst our readers, myself included. Please welcome my guest, Cherie Miller, author-illustrator of Don't Touch My Hair. Hi, my name is Sheree Miller. Um, I use she slash her pronouns. Um, my books are fun picture books where I like to tell stories about African-American girls so far. I'm sorry. 
I think that's great. I mean, I think it's a fair assumption to say that this is what, and not only I would say African-American girls, but also hair. You talk about hair, you got princess hair, you got don't touch my hair. You are having these conversations where I've, I mean, I said this to you last time we recorded, didn't I? But Cherie, my students see themselves in your books, but more importantly, I can see that they see an individual that gets them and that is putting their their thoughts, their experiences, especially with this new book, down on paper. And I appreciate that. I'm here to bring their love back to you. I'm so happy. I feel like I mostly just write about my own experiences. So it makes me so happy when other people like identify with them. <laughs> they, <laughs> when you bring out a book and you show the cover and it's nothing but all these arms <laughs> reaching for a child in the middle and the giant word saying, don't touch my hair. Um, oh yeah, you've got a winner. <laughs> and I love from the cover how confident your main character is on the cover. Uh, but the journey that she goes through through this, because this is, well, I'm going to let you book talk this book, but it's, as I've read it over and over, it's so much a story about boundaries and respect and how to communicate those boundaries to others. Would you say that's fair? Yeah. It's mostly about finding confidence to present your boundaries and also about consent and how whenever you're like touching somebody or something that doesn't belong to you, you should always get consent before reaching out, even if it's in appreciation, because then it just makes it a negative experience or interaction. I um I think I'm having deja vu because I think that last time I taught when we first met, um I believe that <laughs> you <laughs> I could say it like that. We <laughs> I believe that you shared stories of of having that consent taken away from you as a child. And perhaps I I might be remembering right that even as an adult, this is something you've gone through. Or maybe I'm just putting on that uh a number of my fourth grade teachers right away were like Oh, I made my credit Scott King board. I was telling you, I'm really jumping around here, that <laughs> um, that Don't Touch My Hair is included in our mock credit Scott King Award, where K to five, all of our students at my, my elementary school in, in Columbia, Maryland, um, we're all reading these 16 books, and the books are sort of competing uh, like March Madness book bracket style <laughs> to get toward the top. But everyone's reading all these books, and as my... Uh, teacher colleagues have been walking past the bulletin board, which is right outside the library. Um, so many of them are like, oh, my kids were talking about how you read this book to me <laughs> or read this book to them. I feel the same way. Don't touch my hair. And they always are touching my hair. So now you read a book to them so I can say, remember that book you read? Don't touch my hair. <laughs> <laughs> so your your message is also empowering my, my colleagues to um, <laughs> to make sure that their students are getting consent before putting their yeah. hands in their hair too. I feel like everyone has a story. Like everyone comes <laughs> up to me like, this happened to me. Everyone... But like, I feel like the most predominant like story everyone has is as a child, sending your child to school with their hair done. And then they come home. It's a tangled mess. Oh, no. so, so I'm like, especially children, like need to nicely start from younger being like, maybe not 
touching people's hair. People tell me stories of children like pulling their ringlets while they're sitting behind them in school oh, or like yes. they come with the, they're like, oh, they wanted to take my braids out to see how long my hair was. Oh, no. <laughs> I have this. I don't know why I'm so bothered by it. I guess let me just out all teachers everywhere and say we've all got something that just like I can't not see this and get upset. But, um, you know, we're always on the reading rug as they come into the library, all of my classes. And inevitably, someone wants to play with the hair of the person in front of them. And mm-hmm. they're always like, it's okay. Um, or or they're playing with the shirt or playing with whatever. And that notion, as you bring up of consent, I, maybe what is upsetting me is that whomever is touching your hair, you just saying to me, after I tell them to stop you saying to me, oh, no, it's okay, feels like that's not really giving them consent. They didn't ask. They just put their hands in your hair and you're saying to me that, like, you're going to allow it. That doesn't feel at all like consent to me. So thank you for giving me that word here as we're talking because I feel like um, I don't – I mean, just, like, I'm glad you think, kids, sometimes when I – have product in my hair and you think I'm like really looking good. You want to touch my hair. That's flattering, but don't do it because it really also bothers me. (laughs) And it messes it up. And it messes it up. And I tried hard. I tried hard to look good for you. Don't mess up my hair. Yes. That's the next one. Don't mess up my hair. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's the same story. Please tell me the names of the next five stories. That's right. The next five books you're writing. (laughs) Don't undo my hair. Don't mess up my hair. Don't ruin my my school photo for this year. Uh, no. Be okay. hair or be square. I don't Ooh, know. <laughs> on it. Okay, so um, I love that your book uh, takes a uh, well. It's let's put it this way. It's 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 seated in the real world to start, but then we go uh, leaping into this fantasy world. We go underwater. Uh, where a mermaid is trying to touch her hair. Uh, I love the dragon um, trying to touch the hair. That's my favorite. Um, the I'm going to flip to the page. Girl, your hair is fierce. Yeah. <laughs> and the scale pulling back of, of this girl in this tower just, like, reaching out a hand. Um, your text also being, uh, being the voice of the character being the voice of consent, saying like on this page, even in the tallest castle tower, someone is always there, ready and waiting to touch my hair. <laughs> I like that. It's the voice. It, it's giving voice to the reader, but also giving voice to this person that wants that wants you to ask for consent. I like that. Yeah, I like the. I was trying to like build her annoyance throughout the story. Yeah, and with the fantastical element, I really wanted to like one add some humor, but also to show like how this ridiculous like um, fascination with your hair is like it's like more interesting than aliens or mermaids or dragons. It's just like you just have to touch it because it's so magical. <laughs> It's more interesting than aliens. What? That's a great way to put it. I like too that in those illustrations, um, one of my students I think noticed it before even I did uh, that you've got uh, like corner illustration. There's corner art that pulls you into the next location. So if you know 
of what to look for, you know where we're going on some of the pages. Like with the dragon, we can see into outer space. So we sort of know that we're going that direction. I thought that that was really cool. Yeah, uh, little little Easter egg. A little Easter egg. There you go. A little Easter egg. Um, the uh, I will say right away, the kids were like, um, she's wearing a helmet. How can the aliens touch her hair? And I was <laughs> like, you don't think they'd find a way to touch your hair? They're trying to touch your hair. Maybe even just the thought that even here you're being asked about your hair is like an annoyance. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> I know someone else asked me that. I was just like, they have tentacles. <laughs> get, get their tentacles all up in your hair. You don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Okay, so this one, I remember hearing that uh, Princess Hair was a book that you had made and self-published and that through, you have a friend that has become an editor. Is that what the link was? Remind me of the story, Sherry. How did Little Brown acquire Princess Hair? Yes, Corinne Callender, who I had gone to school with, we both came to New York. They went into publishing. I went into just general art. And um, when they were acquiring or starting to acquire books, they reached out to me because they knew I had been working on like these self-published books. And I also had like other stories. And they were one of the ones when I initially started working on Don't Touch My Hair that I would like pitch ideas back and forth about. And we, we workshopped the story together. So it was a really great experience working on that book from scratch with them into publication. And also them being able to see the value in Princess Hair and getting that out to like a wider audience. That is cool that you got both of those experiences. Yeah, I love, I remember the, this notion that you were like, I made Princess Hair and I'm just going to, I'm going to make it because it's my book. It's my story. It's my voice. Um, so to have someone else see the opportunity to reach an even wider audience, but I think largely the book remained just as you had made it. Is that correct? Yeah. Princess yeah. hair. They, they mostly like moved around some of the type and actually made it funner. Cause I'm, I'm terrible at type. I hate type. <laughs> you hate type. <laughs> I hate but, typography. But Sherry, but, uh, check out. Uh, but Sherry, check out this font. <laughs> I know. Okay, I like other people's type, not my type. <laughs> <laughs> but what's actually funny is the idea for "Don't Touch My Hair" started out with a. It was like a woman in space with a with a um, helmet on. It was like just a drawing I did. It's like even in space they want to touch my hair, and it's like an alien trying to like like hitting on her helmet. <laughs> Was this like a, just a doodle? Just like you, this is some, are you still working out some, some frustration from childhood? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> the, the first draft was more of a, a, a rant. Okay. A that... rhyming rant. It's like, don't touch my hair. Has, so were you, were you brainstorming this first idea? You said with, with your friend, you were brainstorming it from ideation. It was something you were working on together. No, I was working on it on my own, but we had started to like, or they were asking me, oh, what are, what ideas are you working on? Because I think they were knowing that they were about to start acquiring books and they no. wanted to know if I had something yeah. else other than just princess hair, you know. I was and like, you were yes. like, well, I have this problem with people putting their hands in my hair, therefore let's make a picture book about it. Yes. They were like, me too. Everyone was like, me too. Yes. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> I um, likewise have had so many students as I read this book um, right away say that 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 is exactly their problem. Children with um, big, beautiful curls or with straight hair or with it braided a certain way. Just, I mean, it's it. You realize how universal it is. Yeah. And it comes from a good place. We're curious. That's okay. Well, it could be flattering. Your hair is so beautiful. That's great. But you look with your eyes, not with your hands. So don't touch. I, I'm yep. grateful, though, the way that you, um, the way that you gave your character, uh, the, the situation to communicate to others, to a whole crowd of others, um, how to ask to touch her hair. You're almost giving your readers like a tip guide. She says, that's it. That's enough. Don't touch my hair. But then it follows. This is my hair. It's great that you love it. I love it too. But please just look and don't touch without my permission. Those spreads, Cherie, were, I had to go back to them. I found when I read, maybe you were finding this reading aloud to children too. Uh, because they really were studying the looks on the faces. And I was hearing them in my classes. I was hearing kids call out like, oh, they're really embarrassed. Look how upset they are. And it was just this like perfect opportunity for me to say, well, why are they upset? Why do, they, why do you think they look that way? And without fail, every student said, because they upset her. Because they did something she didn't want to do. It wasn't ever, I was just waiting for it to be like, did I read it too loud? And so they thought that the crowd was upset because she yelled. Uh, Like, why is this girl yelling at us? But I'm telling you consistently, Cherie, consistently, they were all like, they're embarrassed. They didn't realize they did something wrong. And then she told them. So you did that. I as a I want to tell you as a librarian, as a reader to children, as an educator, thank you because you, the structure of your book, the the voice in your storytelling, your experience coming out through the voice in this character, you did that, and that is such an empowering gift to give to children. Thank you for that. Thank you. You like giving me chills. <laughs> I haven't really gotten to read it to like as many children yet. Like I've done like a couple story times in like um, bookstores, but they're like to younger kids, but to actually be able to have like a conversation with like older kids that can get the message. Like I really, it makes me so happy that it's coming across. I can't wait to like see that once I do more school visits as well. Oh, my kids are all right. Just be aware. Maybe even by the time this (laughs) publishes, be aware that they all want to take over my Twitter account. Every once in a while, I let my kids take over my Twitter account and we use hashtag from a fifth grader or hashtag from a third grader, whatever it is, um, so that you know that it's my account, but it's their voices sending out messages, but they are all ready to send you uh, a class full of messages about this book. Love, praise, questions, their own stories. I was like, okay, okay, when we're all done, we can, we can message Cherie. I'll make sure we do that. But um, when when any book, but specifically when a when a picture book elicits that kind of a response where children want to interact with the story, where I can see that they have taken ownership in the story. That's a really powerful 
thing to have that. And that's all you. So I, you know, all the praise for that. I was telling you before recording that um, one of the other books in our mock CSK is Can I Touch Your Hair? Mm-hmm. Uh, with Which is a, a, a book in poem form I know that you're familiar with. But in one of the spreads um, of poems, there's a child talking about this experience of a kid touching his hair and um, really feeling angry and wanting to attack, wanting to to um, to react with clenched fists and just feeling violated, which is to have that book alongside having this book, I feel like together really affirms that more than one voice students are telling you it's okay for you to be upset about this. It's not okay for people to touch you. Even if it's something they might think as frivolous as your hair, it's a violation of, of your, your privacy. Um, so to have you share that, to have um, Irene and Charles of, can I touch your hair? Share that. I'm just telling you, like, this is for me, this month of teaching is it's, it's the gift that all of your, books all of you wonderful authors are giving me that I get to sit here in this library and experience this with them to be in a moment that they're welcoming me into uh, so I can't wait just be aware we're going to hit you up on Twitter it's going to happen because we can't keep all this love bottled up in my library we got to make sure we send it back out to the people that are helping us um, have these feelings experience these conversations so um yeah. Yeah. That's great. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. But <laughs> it's like you said, like, I feel like I just find myself because I'm having this conversation over and over again, but like really breaking it down in my mind, like you said, like people do think like touching your hair is like a frivolous thing, but it's still a part of your body, which I feel like for some, somehow along the way we lost that fact. And I was like, imagine if someone just like walked up to you and touched your hand and was like, oh, I really like your hand. Your hand looks good today. But and like thought that that interaction would be appropriate, but no one would do that. No one would walk up and touch your hand the way they would like touch a stranger's hair in the grocery store line. Like it's a weird thing that's happening now, and I'm really happy I can like start this conversation. But for some people, they do touch your hand, don't they? Like my wife, every once in a while when she gets her nails done or has some sort of like funny design on them or something like people will take her hand and look at her nails up close. Now my wife happens to be a person that I think (laughs) gives off that sort of energy of like, Oh yeah, I'm buddies with everybody. Come look at my fingernails and, and be in this moment with me together. Much like I feel like my students on the floor are like, it's okay if they touch my hair, but Again, that notion of like you are you are touching someone else. You are touching someone else. Don't don't touch someone else. That is true. That's like a whole. That's another level too. Where it's like if I'm presenting it to you, like, oh, look at my nails. But they would be like that weird person. They'd be like, I see your nails shining. Let me walk up and grab your. That's right. These are not like gems shining on the ocean floor that you're picking up and examining. (laughs) (laughs) So so just to hear just to hear it this experience that that this was an experience you had as a child can we start there did you have the experience of classmates maybe even adults 
touching your hair without consent. Yes, same with classmates. Um, I've had like, when I first cut all my hair off, a lot of people just trying to touch my actual scalp. Oh. Well, not my scalp, but my, my very low cut hair. They're like, oh, you cut your hair, touch. I was like, why Why do you need to touch it? You can see it, you know. <laughs> Other people, I, have, I haven't had like the experience of having like a giant afro, which I'm sure just gets like even more tousled as you walk through the world. Uh, but... My fiance has dreadlocks and people will constantly just like grab one to be like, your hair is so long. I'm Oh, look, you did this thing with your hair that I didn't do. Let me touch it. Yeah. Is it real? Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Support for the Children's Book Podcast also comes from the Highlights Foundation, hosting intimate and inspiring workshops for children's authors and illustrators. Thinking about writing for children? Or have you always wanted to write a children's book but aren't quite sure how it works? Join us March 21st to 24th, 2019 for Everything You Need to Know About Children's Publishing, a crash course, and learn everything there is to know about the children's publishing world, including how the publishing process works, how to know when you're ready to submit a manuscript, how to find which publishers to submit to, how contracts work, the editorial and marketing process, and a whole lot more. And you'll hear from a number of people in the industry who can help to understand the process. Faculty includes Harold Underdown, Leah Henderson, Rachel Werner, Allison Green Myers, Lindsay Barrett-George, and me. Yep, I'll be there too. Registration is now open. Visit highlightsfoundation.org. And from Viz Media. Viz is excited to announce that Pokemon Adventures, the most popular and longest-running Pokemon comic, is now available digitally. Visit viz.com Pokemon to read a free preview of the beloved All Ages series. That's viz.com Pokemon. I mean, you're affirming in your fiancé that this is happening. Now, do you also get, do you also get that? now i mean i almost imagine actually no i don't know i i feel like kids when they love you they just want to get up in your business because they feel like you're part of their family i always try to think the better of them oh you're just touching my hair because you think i'm like approachable enough to do that but do you get adults that do that to you i think i'm hesitating asking you because i want the answer to be no i want to think better of human beings when they get older not recently. Good. I've been like, I've been lucky to avoid it, but it has happened to my fiance recently. So <laughs> it's still happening. It's still in happening. The world. Adults, you need to read this book just as much as the children do. You're as bad as the children. Yeah. Uh, and I tried to put like every interaction I've seen or heard yeah. or had like in the book. Like, oh, it's so big. It's like also these like it's so big. Questions. It's so fluffy. It looks so soft. Yeah. I wonder what it feels like. Because there is, isn't, it's so complicated. I'm so, I know I keep going in circles here, but it, I think it's because you're hitting at something so, so innately deep that we don't talk about. But there is this fascination. You, it's like a, for, I'm just going to say it this way. I can't grow facial hair. So when I see a gentleman with like a, a, a an enviable beard, there's some facial hair that like, I don't envy that junk at all. You look nasty. But there's something I'm like, that looks 
amazing. And I do not have the ability to do that. So I can admire. There's a certain sense of wonder that I can I can understand that human beings like sparkly things or like <laughs> new things. New look, things. New things. But I just I just don't. I don't get like when I'm, I'm okay, so the other thing that we're you and I are talking without video. But this conversation is making my scalp tingle. And so I keep touching my head and I'm like, I can feel when I touch my head, like not in my fingers, my scalp can feel when my hair is being touched. Don't people know? Like, you know that your hair is being touched. I don't want to feel you touching my head. Ugh, I don't know. I really think it's people not thinking about it. Yeah. I don't think anyone's like, oh man, I'm gonna ruin someone's day to day. I'm Ooh, gonna that's your other book. Hair. I'm gonna touch that book three. <laughs> book three by Cherie. I'm gonna touch your hair. It's just like the most threatening book with a character's like a character's hand looking like it's gonna come out and touch the reader. No, no, no. Oh, no, I don't don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> It's the same with like when pregnant women are walking around and all of a sudden everyone's finding their hands on your belly. Oh, it's just like, just no, I don't know you. <laughs> I had that. I had that two times over. Why are you touching my wife's belly? And she was and her always, fingernail. oh, it's cute. They're touch. It's, you know, they mean, well, no, they're, you're a stranger and they're touching the, my baby. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> and her fingernails. That's right. <laughs> Amy apparently is a very shiny, fun to look at person. <laughs> and then there's that thing where as like a little girl, you're taught like, oh, someone's complimenting you. You should take the compliment. Right. It's nice. You shouldn't be mean because they're just being nice. And it's like, no, if, if you're fine with it, sure. But if you're genuinely uncomfortable, you should tell them and not just let them do it because it's the nice thing to do. No doubt about that. Okay, so as as we've now talked, now we've really unpacked also my uncomfortableness with people touching my head. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's focus back on your book. <laughs> I'm so sorry to go around and around. But I do want to share, last time we were on talking about princess hair, I mentioned how much I was really drawn to your art because it had sort of a, a manga feel. I realized that I was drawn to the art the same way that I'm drawn to certain cartoonist drawing things and in this book I wanted to share uh not only that I love your style and I love the way that you sort of um I always describe it as like pulling the camera back right we're not always seeing the same shot on the on the main character we are sometimes seeing close-ups and sometimes pulling back like with the dragon pulling like way 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 back and just seeing how um Arya is posturing herself to Mm -hmm. um to to show that distance um but I I'm obsessed with your first spread where, where the text just simply says, I'm Aria and this is my hair. And you've given us a spread of like nose up to the hair, blocking the entire, filling the entire page. And just that quality of, it it appears to be like a, 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 some sort of a wax, drawing utensil crayon or pen, whatever it is because you've got like this nice line that just feels textured to your watercolor of her skin and seeing the quality of the watercolor on the paper i i'm obsessed with that spread it's so beautiful 
So happy. Yes, it's it's watercolor with colored pencil on top. And I really oh, wanted to show like the texture of her yeah. hair and to make it like very different from anyone else's hair in the book. And I also wanted her hair to just be like another character yes. in the book, even though it's like a silent character. It's like the main object of attention. It, it is. And you constantly are working her hair through her movement, too. It's not... How do I say it other than like her hair isn't static, yeah. right? It's in motion when she's running, when she's moving. We see, I mean, you worded it perfectly that it's it's part of her, but it's also a character in its own that it's reacting. I like that. Um, I like that it also. So there's that page where she's underneath the um, she. Okay. I'm realizing now I'm like very inside baseball for people that haven't read this book. Um, <laughs> let me just go from. First page, it's nothing but her hair, her eyes and just the corners of her smile, but her hair filling up all of the recesses of that spread. It's beautiful. We are, we are invited in to be close to her and admire her hair. Um, as the hands take over that posturing, the hands moving in on her and some of the language moving in on her, um, I love that as she's running, we, we, we get, as I said, like the hair trailing behind her in that way, but she goes through all these places where she finally is alone on this, um, mar- kind of marooned on this Island all by herself, except for the crab. And all my students are like, the crab's going to touch her hair. But I'm like, <laughs> no, no, no. In her text, it says no one, finally, there's a place where no one wants to touch my hair. But in that page too, as she's leaning up against the coconut tree, the hair is, um, sort of shielded, protected, much as the tree is shielding and protecting her. I feel like there's just a lot of imagery going on in that page as well. Um, And to go from there where it's sort of cascading over her head and covering her to uh, just a couple pages later where she's back among the town and she has her hoodie on with just these curls sticking out of the front of her hair and that is like a carrot dangling in front of her nose that makes other people want to like grab at it. Um, I just felt like I felt that, that I was, I could, I could sense that I was aware of your intention of posturing that hair from page to page. And that was something um, that, that I appreciated about, about how you were communicating to us about Aria as well. Yes, it's like when she's happy, her hair is up and fluffy, and then it starts to, like, droop and move, and, like, it's so big, she can't actually hide it, even when she tries to hide it. It only, like, pushes it out more. It's, like, something that you can't escape, but it's also, like, not something you should have to. Yeah. Yeah. I I just think, Sheree, that every page of this book... I, I mean, I'll, I'm sure on the microphone it's picking up just me flipping every single page. I just think page to page. And I've read your book uh, in a week. I read it maybe 15 times. Uh, and every time I'm like, I want to read that book again. And uh, you'll hear you'll hear where, where you are. I, we'll talk about where you are in our CSK. Um, I am grateful that I will be continuing to read it over and over and over, even, even just this year. But um, what I want to say to you in in my closing thoughts uh, are just that um, 
you did this magical thing of creating a book that can be read over and over, that I personally have read over and over and don't tire of. I find myself wanting to return to the story uh, because of the brightness in your art, uh, the brightness in Arya's eyes, the, um, the, the, the strength in her words and in her boundaries. There's just so much here that uh, I guess that packs a punch. Yeah. So happy. I had so much fun like making this book and like thinking out all the patterns and all the locations and like you said, like thinking about the composition of the page to show her emotions. Yeah. Thanks for not editing out the fun. And I say that because I think when I think of editing it's it it can be a an arduous process because you made this thing that is perhaps precious to you because it's yours and now you have to let go of some of it to make it its best form. But in that process to maintain the voice, to maintain the fun, I think it's, I think it's hard and I think you did it well. And actually, let me ask here if there's anything about the story, your process, anything at all like that, that I didn't bring up that you want to make sure we talk about. I want to make sure uh, that, that, that you have a chance to share. No, it was really a group effort everybody at little brown especially corinne like helping me get this book to where it is today like it was not even just like taking out stuff but like adding more it's like they were pulling it out of me like my actual emotions like get get past like the frustration and the anger like what's the actual feeling like to get back to like when you're a little kid and like and express those like raw emotions but it's never as like without carrying like the herd of like people keep doing it to you. It's just like, no, the first, imagine the first time anyone ever tried to do this to you. How did you feel? And like putting that into this book. And I'm so happy that it comes across like the way I wanted it to and not like as like it has, I wanted to have the message without it, like hitting you over the head with it and still be a fun book that you do want to read over and over again. It is Corinne. If you're listening, thank you. I can see you in this book too. I can see that it was a group effort. And Cherie, thank you for for what experiences you relived and the the way that you worked to center this story on being about one incident, but taking it to such outrageous places that it became so incredibly universal. You did a really great job, and it's it's one that, uh, as said, we'll look forward to returning to over and over. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, now I'm going to make sure we leave it right with those readers that are so excited to tell you, to tell you, uh, who knows what they're going to tell you. It's going <laughs> to be on my Twitter account, though. We'll see. <laughs> my name's going to be on it, too. But um, <laughs> let me ask from them that I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can take to them from you? I would say for all the little writers out there, don't only write what you know, write what you want to read. This is Kate Narita. 
fourth grade teacher and author of the book, 100 Bugs Accounting Book. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Karina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.